place. It we're in the final three episodes of the season. It's wild to think about that we're already at the end. But we go from the streets with Street Fighter Three Third Strike to the depths of hell and doom. And I am joined with one of my favorite people uh, back from the streets of rage episode. It is Scott. How are you doing today, Scott? Good, Sam. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's a joy to have you back on. It, I I enjoy so much our talks, not only on the Streets of Rage episode, but our back and forth messages about various older games, various ways to uh, loot, uh, load different wads and different mods of different old games. So it's an honor and a pleasure to have you back today. Um, yeah, it's crazy to think that, you know, we talked back in October, Streets of Rage, and now it's May and so much has happened you've i we were joking it's like you're the this was that was your first podcast episode now you've been on tpn you've been a regular with rare candy so it's like a lot has happened in the last few months since we last talked yeah it's been great i uh but... i've been enjoying podcasting so <laughs> i've been doing you've been you've become a regular for everyone now yeah i mean kind of i guess yeah well i've Every ep- every pod that you've been on has been such. I still think about the one on TPN with Anne Rice. That's still honest, honest to goodness, one of my favorite episodes of the show. So, uh, it, I feel a little. I feel uh special that I we I got to do the first one with you. But since there is a lot to talk about today, I figure we get straight into the meat of things. So, since you are a returning guest, Scott, the question is is not uh where your game history started, but rather what games you've played since we last talked. Uh, I know that Doom has uh, taken over your world since we last talked, but I know that there's been a few games that you kind of played here and there in the in between all your Doom playing. So if you if you have any highlights you would like to mention, I'd love to hear it. Uh, well, okay, so I'm self-employed and I mm-hmm. rent my own office. So most of my like, PC gaming, I just do to kill time at work, which is why Doom and like other like boomer shooter games are like the main things I play because like I could just like play them for an hour or so a day, mm-hmm. kill time because I don't have a boss to like. <laughs> uh, but uh, so like at home though, the only thing I own at home is a modded SNES Mini that I have. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. have any consoles. Mm-hmm. I just I can't bring myself to buy a console because I just. It'll just take over my life. I feel like <laughs> so, uh, so I, I just have all these super. I have like you know a hundred or so Super Nintendo games. And <laughs> I, I'll uh, I'll just stick around with those occasionally, but mostly I just play beat 'em ups on there. Like I think I have every single beat 'em up from Super Nintendo. Oh, that's sure. I'm I'm so jealous that you have a modded Super Nintendo Mini. I still need to mod my PS One Mini. Because that would oh, honestly yeah. that would honestly make playing so many of these expensive PS1 games so much easier for me. Dude, like, I'm mad I didn't buy one of those PS1 minis that are available because I remember they're sold like terribly. And for a while you could get them at Target for like $40. Yeah. No, and now like people figured out you can mod them, so now I think they're really expensive. So I yeah, they're in the ballpark of a hundred dollars now. Like because yeah, when they came out, they were like they only had like 15 games on them and granted some of them were 
pretty good. Like I, you know, Twisted Metal's on there. So for me, that's like a big thing. Albeit like Twisted Metal's not like it's granted owning a copy of Twisted Metal one is dumping $50. But, you know, there's other ones. I think Wild Arms is on the PS1 mi mini, which, you know, there's a good selection there, but like 15 is not enough. Like, and I'm surprised that they couldn't work out a deal with all these like publishers and stuff but yeah these retro these retro consoles are such a great way to play older games i know that this the you and i were talking about the the recent sega one where they included sega cd games in them and i know that you and i lamented about not getting one of those uh just get all these like sega games on them they were like impossible to get in the U.S. So apparently there was like a really there was a chip shortage. Yeah, and because of Joe Biden's America, and uh, <laughs> they uh, so they could only make enough consoles to sell them mostly just in Japan, and mm -hmm. only like a very small limited amount was made available to buy in America, and they sold out like immediately by the time I even knew about it, it was like hard. So like, if you want to get one now, they're really expensive, but yeah, dude, I was pissed about that. Cause I just wanted to build a mod it. Cause it's like a run Sega CD games and mod and get a whole fucking Sega CD library. To yeah. Do, which would have been incredible. Yeah. It would be, it would be trying to buy a Sega CD now. And God forbid the other, all the games on there, which are, practically all of some value you know and i say value in like quotation marks so the value is all made up uh it's like at you and i were talking about einhander and it's like oh yeah 10 years ago einhander was like 30 dollars like to, or not even that probably even less it was like 30 dollars and now it's 150 dollars to own yeah well, it's like, oh my God, I, I and it's all to blame about you know COVID, COVID bubble and Joe Biden's America is like making all these collectors think that like there's some like value to this. It's like no, for one, these people aren't going to play them, and it's like two, they're old games. Like, wouldn't it be better if people, you know, people like me or you, be it'd be better in our hands because we actually play them. But you know, I Dude, I, I know. There's so I, many Sega CD games I want to play. Yeah. Back now because yeah. I think they're never getting re-released. Oh, like most of their library never. No, no, because like a lot of those companies, I mean, excluding Sega's output themselves, but like a lot of those companies are like don't exist anymore. So yeah. it's like who knows where the code exists for those properties. I mean. I guess you know it's it's nice to know that certain games have escaped the Sega CD. Obviously, like Night Trap has escaped it as like a limited run game. Uh, some other games from that company, I can't remember. Ground Zero other... Texas, I know. Yes, yeah, Ground Zero Texas escaped, but there's so many other ones that are like really cool. Like when in that event, inventive pre 3D era, like the there's the one where it was like a first person basketball game. Uh, like those aren't going off the Sega CD anytime soon. So it's like the modded consoles are like the best, the, the best way to get it without dumping like a fair amount of change down on it. That's just it's so sad. It makes me upset. Like just thinking about how so many games like of that ilk are just, just going to never escape. And they're going to be like lost to time almost.
dude, like, I really want to play that um, Adventures of Batman or Robin game. That's uh, yeah. based on the animated series. Because uh, I have the one for Super Nintendo. Uh-huh. And it's really fun. It's oh. like a, the graphics are incredible for a 16-bit game, but the mm-hmm. Sega CD version is totally different. Mm-hmm. So from what I've looked at it, it looks like really cool. But it's it also comes with like hand drawn like animated cutscenes and stuff. It's the and, power uh, the, the power of the CD ROM. I mean, the thing is, is like because like I said, like I mostly like when I'm at home, I'll just like play side scrolling games just because like I don't have the time to just like sit for like hours playing when mm-hmm. I'm outside of work, and so. A lot of the side-scrolling games I play are actually superhero games, which are really <laughs> fun, though. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, all the early, all those early ones are really good. I mean, obviously the bat, the yeah. Batman games were ex- like excellent, like back in the day. Yeah. It's just now they don't yeah. make them as they don't make them like they do anymore. I mean, now they're all just like regurgitated sludge that is just like all trying to cop off modern trends nowadays and it's just like all infuriating like the new suicide squad game is like literally gives me an aneurysm when i think about it it's like genuinely evil where they're just like oh yeah here here's a battle pass here's cosmetic skins you can buy here's all this like grindy pointless crap that we shoved in it so this game can never die and that you keep playing it and to be fair People got so mad at that that they actually delayed the game a whole year, basically, to say, oh, yeah, we're going to take all that out. I haven't like, even heard of it. Oh, yeah. If you looked it up, it, you would probably like think it's the most atrocious, gross thing you've ever seen. It's like a, a third-person shooter with like abilities and stuff. It's so It's so bad. And... They they put all this like microtransaction battle pass all this like ways to like get money out of you, and people reacted so negatively negatively to it that they actually just said, "Oh yeah, we're delaying it a whole year and just going to be taking like all of these stuff out because people hated it." And it, I it was beat em up games anymore, man. There's no, they don't open world beat em up. Like, there's not what like I don't know. I I feel like. People think that genre is dead, but it's like, well, no one fucking makes them anymore. How do you know? Well, and I know Streets of Rage Four was successful, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, the Batman, the the Arkham games were basically that. They were open world beat 'em ups. Right, and they were fun. I like those. Yeah, but then and it's funny. The Suicide Squad is made by that same studio, uh, Rocksteady. Oh yeah, and yeah, and it's it it just turned into a nightmare and. It's like, yeah, the Arkham games are genuinely fun and they're very cool takes on back Batman. And then it's just like they do this. And I'm like, good Lord, because originally the rumor they were supposed to do a Superman game, like a Superman game in that vein, like just an open world beat em up. That would be cool, honestly. Like, I mean, you can like, I mean, I know superheroes are very like bug man now. Like, I probably wouldn't play any new superhero game that came out, but like mechanically they it works when you make it just like a beat em up like i actually showed you i was playing that uh death and return of superman game for superman yeah yeah, Nintendo, oh, yeah which is actually right. it was a early game developed by blizzard and that's like a really fun game actually because it's also got you can like it's even got like um like flying levels mm-hmm. first, first round they're kind of like um i don't know if you 
like they're like gradius style or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. Going on a Superman, you know, and like it's really cool. Yeah. And, like, there's like old X Men games; those are all fun too. Yeah, so, like I was talking about it last week. It was like yeah, like pre bugmanification of superhero game like genre was cool. Like I mean, you had Capcom doing all the stuff with the Marvel entity, which was like awesome. And then all the like side-scrolling 16-bit super uh, superhero games are generally cool. And then I feel like the transition to 3D kind of threw them for a loop where they were trying to figure things out. I mean, Superman 64 obviously is like infamous for you know how they fumbled the fumbled the ball on that. But even then, like they're still there was a period where they were just good fun, and then they just got really bad in the 2010s where in like they're trying with like the marvel spider-man game for playstation is like kind of interesting but it just wasn't for me like kind of felt something was off about it when i played it but now they're like making another one they're like doing a wolverine game so it's like it a superhero game, even in the modern day, still like couldn't be cool. It's just like I don't know. It's it keep the bugman stuff away as best you can. Just like make a game playing as a superhero is fun instinctually. Like I don't think you can mess that up too hard. Well, it's impossible at this point, though. It's the thing with like superheroes, like. It, it's well, all it's all too bug manified. I guess well, there's no going back. Well, I guess <laughs> you know they 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 tried to do an Avengers game and it failed like stupendously. Was it was like genuinely horrible. Like and that came out like six years ago, and I I feel like that kind of put the brakes on like Marvel trying to do any like bringing their touch modern day Marvel to like video games. So I guess that kind of stopped it a little bit, but I don't know. I, I re- remain uh, th- remains to be seen. I suppose I've you know the next Spider-Man game supposedly is coming out in the fall this year. So I guess we'll see. We'll, I'll report back in September if it looks any good. So, um, but. I think we need to get into the main meat of this episode, which is Doom, because we're talking a lot of Doom games today, Because and there's a lot to talk about with Doom. But before we get into our four games that we're talking about, I figured we'd talk about just sort of that wonderful period of video games in the 90s, when the first-person shooter was like the new frontier, where, I mean, Doom obviously got the ball rolling, but then... After that, you had just the proliferation of Doom clones. You had the advent of other games like Hexen or Blood, or you even had like Quake and Half-Life. And then by the end of the decade, you had like these more in-depth simulation FPSs like Deus Ex coming forth. So this decade to me is one of the like, I think I mentioned this earlier in the season with fog brain it's like this period of games is very much to in my mind like the wild west where like these really kind of scary kind of taboo type imagery and games were suddenly now mass market where everyone wanted to play them where people were making things for them and so i think it's like genuinely 
one of the coolest periods in games. So I wanted to know, Scott, if you had any fond memories or input on the 90s and the FPS genre. Since, you know, you've been head deep in Doom in the past, uh, like, five or seven months now. Um, Okay, so I said on the last episode, I was, like, a Genesis kid. Mm -hmm. And so I started getting into PC gaming in the period while the Genesis was winding down but mm-hmm. before I owned a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So that was really pretty much like 1995, which is when shortly after uh, Dune 2 came, because I think Dune 2 was 94. Uh, I, th- I believe it, it was like 10 months. It was 10 months after the first Dune. It was, yeah, it was... Uh, oh, God. It, yeah, 94, yeah, I think yeah it was, 94, 94. Yeah, so I remember, I specifically remember I got Doom 2 for the PC mm-hmm. in 95. And uh, I probably, I don't think I got a PlayStation until like maybe end of 96. Mm-hmm. So there was like a solid like two-year period where I was just like heavily into PC games. And so that was mostly first-person shooters. So I, my first one I owned was Doom 2. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I played the original doom like at friends houses and stuff because like it was the kind of game that everyone's like cool older brother had yeah <laughs> um, you know and i was like a little kid too so like that shit looked so awesome back then but uh so yeah i got i got doom too i was just, like totally obsessed with it um yeah. i didn't end up playing the first well owning the first doom until later when ultimate doom came out mm-hmm which was the original game, then plus the extra levels that came out after Doom yeah. Two, and yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, like I was like such an like ID software kid though for a while. Yeah. Then, uh, God, then I actually never, and then obviously you know Quake came out, which I actually never owned the first Quake. There's some reason like I don't think I could like run it on my computer or something. I can't really remember. There's some reason I couldn't own Quake when it first came out. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why. So I ended up getting Quake 2 before Quake 1. Uh-huh. But dude, like, there's a whole period, like, up until, like, 2000, though, where I was just, like, all in and I did software <laughs> games. And then, of course, uh, like, you know, I'd play anything they came out with. And then, uh, of course, then I was also super into Duke Nukem 3D. That mm-hmm. was, that was like, a revelation to me. Oh, my God. And then uh, Blood which is kind of become like a cult classic since then, even though back then in the day, I'm not sure how huge it was. I remember I bought it because it, I saw an ad for it in PC Gamer. I thought it looked sick. It was basically, it's a uh, horror-themed FPS game mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that ran similar to Doom. But mm-hmm. uh, So yeah, like basically it's just like the id Software games, Duke Nukem 3D, and Blood, those are like, my shit like i played those all the time then the only other like pc games i played some like rts's on top of that like i played a like, command and conquer red alert and like warcraft 2 but i don't know it's mostly just fps's yeah so. it it really dominated the 90s in that sphere but and even to an extent outside of it i mean doom really became such a footnote in the culture at the time and especially later on now where it's like it laid it laid down the rule set for how things would play future on but it was so it was so like just 
unlike anything ever before, like just having a game where you're just fighting, you know, blasting demons with a shotgun in space, like sounds very like simple for us nowadays, but like to back in 93, that was like literally so controversial getting onto the, you know, being part of the famous Congress hearings about, you know, violence in video games, you know, all the satanic imagery and all that stuff. And it's looking back, like not even just them, but all the sort of clones that came out of it, like every everyone wanted their own slice of that pie. Like you had Rise of the Triad or like you said, Blood, there's Hexen, there even early Bungie prior to Halo got into it with Marathon, like uh i guess you i guess you could count the alien trilogy fps as like a member of the doom clone like a wide family if you will but man there the, it really felt like you were playing something dangerous back in the day like you you were not meant to play it like you said like it was the cool older brother game and it still feels like that even so separated from what technology has allowed us to do in games and what games have come after it and even with like modern modern entries of doom like it still feels like the cool game that the older brother would have that you would peek in and sneak and be like oh this blows my mind like i can't believe games can do this sort of thing and i guess th this is like a thing where you have to like credit how it it was like the that that small team like i think it was like five six guys just like these guys in texas and they were just changing the game as it were like john carmack john romero like they they still are like the coolest guys in my mind when it comes to just making games like your carmack who's the brains behind it all and Romero was all about the style and the and the design of it all but even had like members of the team like uh Sandy Peterson who were he was a he was a Mormon on the team and he's like yeah I don't care it's cartoons like it doesn't conflict with me like I don't see the problem here like I I love that this sort of like ragtag group of like computer computer geeks were able to create like a cultural mo moment in the time and you can see the reverberations in that decade and even now where like there's a return to like this style of game you know there's like uh games like celtic or coven uh that are trying to ape off this style and feel and I don't know like I w I know that it will never be possible to go back to games like this fully at least in the triple a sense but I, I i do lament the sort of beauty of it all of like just these small teams of like guys who are like what can we put in it's the most coolest thing ever like because that's something i love about games like putting the coolest idea in there and letting it flourish there really is you can tell like a uh, strong urge at least like among like millennials to return to the uh, pre-Halo, pre-Counter-Strike, pre-Call of Duty era of mm -hmm. FPS games. Because, like, y'all, I've, like, seen, like, on Twitter, like, sucks. one of those, like, gaming accounts, like, post shit from, like, 
like the Unreal games, like the original ones, you know, mm-hmm. like the late '90s. Like people go ape shit over those. Like they kind of like a lot of stuff is like almost like a memory hold in a way. Yeah, like, and like well, now it's like coming back. People are like, oh yeah, because like dude, like okay, if you were into like FPS games in the '90s. Uh, it was like a huge phenomenon, but there was also you also had to be like a specific type of guy who was mm-hmm. into that. Because for like one thing, most people weren't even playing PC games. Yes. And then, um, because like on consoles, there, there was barely barely anything. Uh, like yeah, no, you only had like Golden Eye, pretty much. Yeah, well, the only... yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Is for me, I remember when Golden Eye came out. I guess none of my friends really, except for like one other guy who had the cool older brother who was like into the Quake, into like Quake and Doom and shit. Uh, but none of them were playing FPS games and like knew what the hell like Doom was or anything like that. And then GoldenEye came out. So the people who owned 64s, that became like the biggest game for the 64. And I remember thinking, like, calling them like, oh, like, well, not calling them. I like, think they're all like posers. I'm like, dude, I've been playing this, these kind of games <laughs> for a few years now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, get on my level. Yeah, because like people like you know, for a lot of people, Goldeneye was the first first the first first person shooter they ever played. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, because there there was the big hurdle of consoles was trying to figure out how to make it playable, and I mean, Goldeneye is a you know it's an important game but if you try to play that nowadays it is rough to play on like considering it was made for a console where the controller was one analog stick like you need like fps's console wise we're still trying to figure it out but meanwhile pc was like where it was meant to be like i still mm-hmm. think fps's are meant to be played on on pcs like it just feels right like that that's where it's meant to be the yeah, thing is though is that I now like I prefer playing them on a using a controller. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I, don't, I don't really like know why that is because you're right, like intuitively, mouse and keyboard is probably like technically the best way to go. But like since I like downloaded um Z Doom and I run all my Doom games through there, which adds controller functionality to all the games. Mm-hmm. Um if they don't have them now with like the re-releases, like the re-release Doom games, all have it now. But um, like other games, like uh, like the Final Doom game, uh, yeah. the two episodes of Final Doom, like the only way to play this like controller functionality is if you run them through Z Doom. So I've been doing it that way, and I kind of just prefer it now. Well, yeah, so, I, I feel like as I, as I've gotten older, like I feel like I I I a controller feels better. Like there's I. I a mouse and keyboard is great. Like I, I, I am not like, like anti mouse and keyboard. It's just like as I've gotten older, just like the comfort. It's like, oh yeah, here's a thing that like automatically works, and right. you know, it feel it feels good nowadays. But like in the context of the '90s, I mean, literally prior to Halo, like Halo kind of figured it out in terms of console shooters. But like you know, Halo kind of shifted what the fps meant to what fps has meant to the broader gaming culture landscape where now suddenly fps's are now for like the college bros my you know my brother one of my brothers being one of those people like he was never into like pc gaming at all uh 
prior to Halo. He was, you know, but now we see like FPSs are just like the domain of like Xbox uh, yeah. players and Call of Duty and whatnot. And those games don't feel like how obviously like these 90s games where it's just like, here is a sandbox of weapons. Here is these open-ended levels with uh, where you have to find various colored keys and navigate these like maze-like levels, and that 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 feels still so right for me and my brain and how I view an FPS. It's like it, it's the best way of just like putting yourself in the shoes of that character that you're supposed to embody, and I feel like with ID and their games. You know, with Doom, Doom One and Two, uh, and Quake, the Quake series, they really put you into the scenarios that they wanted you to. It's like there's not a lot of grand uh, storytelling there at all. It's more just like, all right, imagine if you're a space marine in the depths of space and there are demons everywhere. Like, you know, blast your way out of this. Like. It just is so instinctually like cool and interesting and fascinating. And I, I, it's, I mean, this, it's, it's, it's hard not to say just it's cool, but it is just cool. Like, I, Doom is still one of the coolest franchises to me, even as like in, in its like few entries where it's even experimented with like not, being like white knuckle action like with 64 and 3 i still think those are like interesting spins on the doom formula and you even see like it was going in that direction anyways with quake where it's like more about like atmosphere and all that and their games really did feel kind of dangerous to play like you would see the box arts for some of these games and it felt like really scary to play them oh dude like the way id marketed their games which is like a per they did so perfectly too uh considering it was like the mid 90s when like industrial music was like an all-time popularity so it like tied in with the aesthetics of that a lot which also led to trent Reznor working on the music for quake um Mm -hmm. still one of the coolest collaborations ever yeah like the design and like the colors they used and the style of artwork all looked like industrial music, like CD covers. And, um, mm. but yeah, I, I, I think I told you, like, I remember buying the master levels for Doom 2. The box, uh, that beautiful box art. Oh, yeah, it's so scary looking. I remember buying that when I was like in middle school and like feeling like such a badass, like walking up to like the counter, <laughs> counter I like, love that. Buy to buy it, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah. You know, like I felt like I was buying a Cannibal Corpse album or something, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, and then you kind of like look at like old like magazine ads for id mm-hmm. games from back in the day, like they're so scary and like evil looking, but it's like it's very cool because like, and you like look at the people who are like, making this stuff, like, it's all done like good fun. Like, you'd imagine like, these like scary goth guys, you know, no, no you <laughs> just, like, just look up it. a picture of John Carmack and John Romero and like they're making like. There's that one famous photo where like John Carmack's going like like his like little smirk and and Romero's just like making like some doofus face. Right. Like they're just a bunch of like guys like 
which is so simple to say it, but it's like, this is like, you know, what's better than this guys being dudes and like that permeated all their stuff. Like they, they weren't, they were just doing it because it was like, why, why not have a game blasting demons to like, midi versions of pantera and slayer music like mm -hmm. what what what's better than that like it and i still love you know to to bring in john carmack because he's kind of in the news at the moment uh i love how <laughs> carmack is still like the coolest guy ever or he attends based con uh which is all about anti-woke stuff in uh like gaming and uh like comic books or whatever I love that he just makes a guest appearance there multiple times, which fits oh, in line with it like. Happen? I didn't know it happened yet. He, I don't know. He put out a statement saying like that vague statement of like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not there to make a politics statement. I'm just there to talk about technology or whatever. Okay, but he didn't pull out or anything. Though. As far as I know, no, I don't think yeah, he pulled out. Like people were just noticed that he's been there two oh. years in a row. Oh, okay. I didn't know that even happened. Yeah, like, he's supposed to be a speaker at this event. And it's just like, why are you shocked that Carmack would go... So like, in my mind, like, why are you shocked that Carmack would be there? Like, Carmack is the epitome of a game developer prior to 2013. Mm -hmm. Like, he, all he cares about is technology. Like, the man's quite literally a genius. Like, he, all he cares about is how can his vision of like uh technology to make games more interesting and more high tech like that's all that's been his mo since day one and he's probably he's seen games change from when he was you know a teenager to now he's an adult like he's seen he worked with oculus so i bet that's why he's probably attending uh this convention because he saw facebook management you know, firsthand, he's like, oh, God, like, yeah, so I feel like that's what him and then John Romero is kind of like a wild card. I don't know exactly where he falls on the thing. He's he's a character as far as I know, but he's still making games. So I, I applaud him for that. Yeah, um, I played uh, Sigil that uh, Doomwad he made that came out in 2019. It's just nine extra levels. It's really fun. Yeah, like apparently he's working on a sequel to it. Yeah, like he, you know, he, and and I love how Doom also was like a progenitor for other game designers of not just that time, but also later on. With you know, Doom Two is famously uh, where like American McGee, uh, he was a designer for it. Uh, Sean Green, who would make Hexen, uh, got his start with Doom Two. Like all these like really big sort of maybe not like mainstream names but people have definitely heard of them in gaming like like how doom was just like this uh like id early id software was just like this like pool of like really talented guys who went on to make really cool and interesting games later on and just you know you have john romero's uh die katana you know the classic die katana uh, which I know you and I were talking about Die Katana a long time ago about how like no one's played it, but yet everyone has their two cents about it.
Yeah, like I've never played it either, but I always thought it was suspicious that it was as bad as people were claiming it was. Like, really, how can it be that bad? Like, I'm sure it was like disappointing or whatever, but whatever. Like, you look at the sales figures when it came out, it did not sell that many copies, so barely anyone actually ever played it. So, and yeah, then within like two years, people are already calling it like the worst game ever made. It's like, okay. Yeah, I think I, I think it was just they were disappointed. Romero made he didn't make a Doom like a new high quality Doom type game, but it's like, right. but I still I I love Romero for his like <laughs> willingness to just put on a magazine ad. John Romero is about to make you his bitch. Yeah, like I love like that's the type of game developer that I miss because game developers rarely almost never nowadays like put themselves out there like those guys did uh were you know you 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 read about like what they get like they were such they were raking in the dough and like making hit after hit and it's just like i think romero had like a sports car like a convertible because of this game like all all this like really interesting and cool things that like came forth out of this period of games where it was just like constantly new and exciting products just coming out the woodwork and yeah i mean i think it's just sad to know that that will never happen with the modern day like agenda of hr ification of game designers and corporate mismanagement like we will never have unless it's in the indie scene We'll never have like this type of uh uh melting pot per se, like melting pot of really smart guys making what is just fun to play, fun to play, cool to look at, and just cause commotion at the wazoo. I mean, dude, just like obviously, like it makes sense too. Like John Carmack, he's probably just a libertarian guy. Who probably Probably. doesn't even give a shit about politics. And like the thing about like libertarian guys, at least like the old school type, Glenn and I have been talking about this a lot of rare candy, actually. But like you look at these like 90 libertarian nerd guys, they basically just don't like bureaucracy and they don't like things getting in their way. And so like you look at these like old school game designers, like the guys that did software or like the guys that like midway games who fucking made Mortal Kombat and NBA Mm -hmm. Jam. Those, if you like look at like the story behind those companies, like they didn't have that many employees. Yeah. It was just like a bunch of dudes. And they made like, I mean, the guys who made Mortal Kombat and the guys who made Doom was like small teams of guys who were just like really good at what they did. And they were just highly imaginative and they had no, you know, bureau, no meddling bureaucrats hanging over their heads telling them what to do and you know like their fucking hr department probably didn't even exist at the companies it's probably just you'd tell if you had to do like a sick day like you know you could never get in trouble at work for anything i'm sure oh absolutely yeah and i just looked real brief yeah like carmack is a libertarian old school ron paul i I just like assumed just like looking at him yeah i mean yeah and also uh I mean, you can even look at id and how they started off. Like they were big partners with Apogee at the time and like they were believers of the Apogee model of like, oh yeah, here's a demo of our game that we put out that you can download with the shareware model. 
and you know you could get a good chunk of the game that way and it's you know they don't have to go through the the rigmarole of a publisher at you know uh, in the traditional sense like they just wanted their game out in the way that they wanted without any concessions made i mean it's the they were just living the life that i think any game developer like any honest game developer would want to live like you can see it in other examples i think like Ro- like rockstar is very much or like rockstar back in the day was very much akin to that where it's like they wanted whatever was in their game that was cool for gta and as little publisher involvement as possible to like get in the way of their success and what they wanted in their games and yeah like that's just something that is not possible unless you are like some indie studio if you're just like a group of five or like fewer or ten or fewer like that will just never happen in a big big company space unless you're like i don't know just so, like who just is anti all that's all that like garbage we're never gonna get like an id like just disrupting everything i don't know it it's sad to think that this era of games probably can't happen on a large scale anymore for me personally because you just see all the quality content being pumped out and it's just like where did it all go where did it all go what 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 went wrong but we all know what went wrong well, also, it was, like, a product of a time when, like, the internet was, like, still new and exciting, and mm-hmm. it was, like, dominated entirely by dudes. Yes. It's like, and, I mean, it, it's all tied in. Like, early internet and, like, early video games are all, like, tied in, like, culture-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was funny. Uh, like, if you look at, like, what, like, Wired Magazine is now, where it's just, like, a straight-up, like, Democrat propaganda Oh yeah, I saw you. I saw you posted about that. Is even I remember that. Yeah, like it used to be like a magazine for the like '90s like tech tech guys. Yeah, '90s techno like pseudo hippie guys, like free spirited dudes, you know. And like it's just the exact antithesis of it now. And I mean, the sad part about it, just to be blunt, though, is just like you have to get women out. (laughs) <laughs> i mean it's just it's just it's true they don't care yeah. about video games they never did it's no. all fake yeah like, it... get, get them out of the industry they don't need to be doing anything like yeah you know what i mean they can be this like they can work in the office or whatever but they have they should have no say whatsoever in making a product that is 99 consumed by men yep. it just shouldn't happen yes you're, you're... Like, <laughs> You're I mean, so right in that, but it's, you know, like... It's gamer genocide, Sam. <laughs> well, that's why we have to rise up. We mm-hmm. have to, you know, we have to have the oh. gamers or have to be in control. Yeah, and then you have all these male Sika fans who just roll over backwards to do whatever they want, you know? So that's another problem. Yeah, I mean, you and I have gone back and forth about how, like, the fall of comics is, like... You know, it comics are dead because of this type of stuff. You know, like more than dead. It's insane. Like the industry doesn't even exist anymore. Like I, I just enjoy like keeping up to date with what has happened (laughs) to the comic industry because it's so fascinating. 
how quickly that industry just utterly destroyed itself. Mm-hmm. Where it, where it used to just be a model of like appealing to male autism, mm-hmm. and like the male like desire to collect things and like viciously catalog things, and you know like so. And then around right after Trump came came in, basically just it's self-destructed. Just, <laughs> it's self-destructed. Like it doesn't even exist anymore. Really, it's all fake. Yeah, it's propped up because it's own. The publishers are owned by a large corporations now mm-hmm. but like i mean it, it might as well just not even exist anymore it's yeah. insane i, I, I mean, will people s- need to look at that like, even if you've never had interest in comic books which is understandable because it's always been a niche thing despite yeah. what people might tell you like <laughs> and uh but like it's a perfect model like if you look at it for like the rest of society of what can actually happen mm-hmm. you know i, I feel like yeah, with games, games are they're on the precipice. I mean, I think games are too big to ever fall nowadays to that. But you do see egregiously bad examples of them uh, playing to a market that would never play their game, the game in question. I mean, Saints Row reboot is the like gl- of the perfect example of this. Where it's like the main cast are all a bunch of like racially diverse like Zoomers who are supposed to be like who are supposed to be playing themselves off as like a street gang like the Saints did in the early Saints Row games. It's like, no, it's not. Like, nice try. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. There, this is why I'm like propping up like something like Final Fantasy 16 coming out where it's just like every every you everyone knows that type of person is mad about Final Fantasy 16 because it's it's a classical fantasy setting where they like based it all off European fantasy there's like it's all white people in the cast it's you know it's how games used to be and they're just like it's fantasy why aren't the you know why isn't x y and z here it's like who cares like i don't know it, that's a whole topic i think for uh, another time but i think i think it's time to properly get into doom so the first games we'll talk about is doom one and two
I decided we're going to talk about Doom 1 and 2 because they're kind of, you know, Doom 2 is more or less like a, a big expansion pack to Doom 1. So Doom 1 came out in 19, uh, December 10th, 1993 uh, for MS-DOS, and then Doom 2 came out October 10th, 1994. So these were, to say, to, to say that these were uh, huge games is an understatement, Doom and its sequel were arguably the biggest thing of their time. They revolutionized so much about what we understand as a first-person shooter. They built upon the foundation that Wolfenstein 3D had created just a few months earlier. I think Wolfenstein was 1991 or 1992. I can't remember. But yeah, Doom and Doom 2 were these just wild new frontiers about what a game could do not just in gameplay but in terms of aesthetics to music everything was really changed with doom one and two and i mean heck i mean as i mentioned earlier doom one was brought to congress because it was at the forefront of the violence in video game discussion all that sort of stuff like if you see an M for mature rating, Doom is partly responsible for this. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with Doom 1 and 2. So I figured I asked you, Scott, what do you think of Doom 1 and 2? Oh, uh, well, so I started replaying Doom 2 on a whim in November. Because in November and December of last year, like around the holidays, like I'm self-employed. So my business was like, took a big nosedive around the holiday, so I wasn't that busy. Mm -hmm. And so I just, like, impulsively, one afternoon, just thought of Doom 2. I'm like, I'm going to go, because, like, I know it fairly recently been uh, re-released. And so I just, like, impulsively just bought it for five bucks on GOG and started playing it. And, like, God, man, it just, like, so much had came flushing back to me, like, memory-wise, because I hadn't touched it since I was in fucking middle school. Uh-huh. And um, so yeah, I, I I've played every single Doom game for this episode up until Doom 3. Yeah. But um since then, but Doom 2, which is like what replaying Doom 2 is what really rekindled everything <laughs> for me. And uh God man, like it's just like I remember I think I remember even like messaging you like the day I was like playing it like at work and I was like so amped up to be <laughs> replaying. Doom 2. There's so I was like in shock at how much like fun I was having. It's like to me, like the graphics, and yes, of course, like modern day, it seems very dated. It's a fucking MS DOS game. But yeah. like the graphics are irrelevant to me. No, like, yeah. You know, and I'm just like sitting here, like I like work, like playing it with like headphones on. And I'm like, this is actually like looking at it like it's like time period when it came out. It actually is a scary game. Mm -hmm. Uh the audio design is great. Uh, I'm yep. sure they tweaked it a bit for the re-release, maybe. I don't know. But listen with like head playing with like headphones on, you can like hear shit like skittering around and like, you know, can like tell what direction your enemies are in like other rooms and stuff like that. And like it's like mind blowing or like what they were accomplishing. Oh yeah. John Carmack. John Carmack's a literal genius. Like the fact that he was able to trick people into thinking Doom was 3D in the first place, I think is like 
proof of how far ahead of the time Doom was at the time. Like, yeah, you, you would never know it's not 3D unless someone told you. Yeah, like it, it, <laughs> it's, it, it's so convincing, and even even for me, like even playing it, like replaying it recently, I'm like, even though the graphics would be to the general zoomer, be like, what is this? It's like no, but like the visuals and the atmosphere are so well defined, even in these early stages. Like I think of, like. And this is more so when the in these like in the in the first two Doom games when you get more into the hell levels like I think about like all these like beautiful gradient skybox like skyboxes are something I love to death in video games it's something I miss dearly is a skybox and Doom has, it's it's basically like an image pasted into the sky it's just usually like a JPEG oh. and it's kind of oriented so when you turn the camera it looks like it's properly you know turning in 3d like it would be in real life uh but skyboxes like because you know they couldn't properly like recreate the sky mm. so it's just like a jpeg so it always has this very comfortable feeling to me and doom has such great ones especially like doom 64 like is doom 64 is stunning to me visually but we'll get to that but like even doom one and two it's like you see like the orange skies and all that like red skies and even on even in the early stages like in knee deep in the dead uh the the first episode like even that is still like visually captivating to me and doom is all about kind of navigating mazes while dealing with enemies like it's very simple like it's not like mechanically complex it's just it's old school shooter. Like it's all about like side strafing, circle strafing, managing your your inventory to just deal with even more and more grotesque demons. And I even love how it early on the Doom catalog of enemies and monsters is just so cool. It's like this mixture of like real like demonic imagery mixed with like cybernetics and stuff like. It's such a cool look to the game, and I feel like not many other games have really embraced that. Uh, I think of like you know the cy the cyber demon and the spider, uh, the spider demon, and even the newer dooms kind of uh, take more uh, creative uh, leeway with how they can do the sort of doom monster. Like it feels so; these early games just feel like you're in a place, like. And I love that they're able to do it with such literally rudimentary technology. Like you can't aim up and down. You can't jump. You know, it, it's so archaic nowadays, but it's still so captivating and engaging. Like I was, I, I was messaging you when I had got my physical copy of the Doom 64 re-release. Re and I'm just like, this is like the coolest thing ever. Like it still feels so engaging to play like all these older games. It feels so good. Like it's satisfying. Like even the like same death sounds, all these monsters make is like, oh, that feels good. Or just seeing like the slowly pixelated monsters, like falling over or getting shot in the head. Like it just feels, it all feels good. And just yeah, the gameplay is so addictive too. Just like the model, like to me, like Doom Two is more addictive than a first-person shooter from like 
the last 10 years, I would feel like. I, mm-hmm. I just, something about the simplicity of it and also the way that it, it um, leaves a lot of it to your imagination at the same time. Because like you said earlier, how the plot is like very basic. Like if you want to know like the storyline of like the Doom games, you basically have to read like, there'd be like a single page in the booklet. You'd read. Yeah. I mean, it was. I'll tell you like games. the concept. Yeah, it's just games of the time is like, you don't need a story to get involved in these games. Like, the premise alone is already going to sell you for, you know, the few hours you're going to put into this game. Like, it's all about the atmosphere, honestly. The atmosphere of Doom, these early Doom, like Doom 1 and 2, that is all that you need to get engrossed in these games. And uh, Doom 1 set up a very good template and design for it. Like, it gave you the prop that, like, I like how Doom also set the template for, like, a weapon catalog that would be basically replicated for every other shooter for the end of time. You have a pistol, you have a shotgun, you have a, you know, you have a assault rifle, you have a rocket launcher and all sorts of stuff. And of course I love that doom has its own crazy weapons, like the chainsaw, the rocket launcher, you know, the plasma gun, the BFG. Like I love how, you know, all of this works and it just like modern shooters feel like, it's all about the fluff and not about the substance. And uh, like Doom 2 just basically took the foundation of one. It's just like, okay, we go from space and now we have levels set on Earth. And it feels like I love just like going through Earth, the Earth levels, the second episode. It's just all this like navigating through just like simplistic rectangles that are meant to be buildings. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I just love that so much. Um, yeah, the cool thing is too is like, so in my replays, I like I said, I, I started with Doom 2 and then I played Ultimate Doom after that. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool though, uh, thinking about like how the games came up, uh, very shortly after each other. So, like, Doom 1 and Doom 2 are almost can be viewed as like one game <clears throat> in a way. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. cool how the first Doom, though, like, like you said, though, like it. it Take, it's more like space oriented so it has more of like a sci-fi feel mm-hmm. which later kind of gets replicated for the first half of doom 64 yes um so it has a lot of like a spacey sci-fi feel but then doom 2 just goes like straight on evil yes like, like doom 2 is way more evil feeling like especially as the game progresses like so, like it's and like I said, like how it leaves a lot to the imagination. So you like stumble across, you'll be in these like little like dungeons inside hell and like stumble across like tortured people. But like the way, like the, with like the, the graphics are more, you know, bare bones, it almost makes it look scarier in a way mm-hmm. than like a modern game now. Because, and then if you think about like the way it made me feel playing it when I was like 11 years old, like this shit was like horrifying. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's and there was like no precedent for it either. Oh, not I mean, sixteen bit games like even something like as like Splatterhouse, like it had those images, but it can never captivate you. Even with something as pseudo three D, like Doom was trying to get, like it sixteen bit has the the illusion that like oh yeah, it's just two dimensions. It's there. There's a little bit of like protection from you from like what is happening on screen kind of but like when you're in a 3d space for the first time like 
that feels really more real than it could ever be. And, you know, Doom being kind of the progenitor of all of this stuff, it really puts you up close to things that you didn't think were possible before, like could be depicted in, at the time, such high detail. I mean, granted, we can look at it now and we just see like, oh, there's that pixelated body. But like that pixelated body has a fair amount of detail that you can build inside your mind like what it really looks like and you know our brains fill in the blanks basically and you get something that is like creep i mean even like doom one seeing like the zombie enemies and like even if you see them turn to like a bloody pulp like your brain is like imagining this like humanoid body basically ripped to shreds basically by like you know the super you know the shotgun and I can imagine, you know, for like boomer parents and prior, like, like being horrified that like children were playing this, you know, I, I can weirdly understand why they were so terrified by Doom 1 and 2, like, just putting all this like evil imagery right on a screen. And it was like presenting it as like, oh, yeah, this is the most amazing thing ever. Like, you're engaging with all this. I can understand, like, why people were terrified by Doom back in the day. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, like, if you have, like, I didn't, but, like, for kids who had, like, religious parents, because it looks like a glorification of hell. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really does. Yeah, yeah. Also, go back, like, like, the way the plot for the Doom games work, like, there is a plot, and then, like, halfway through the games there's always like an intermission where like text will come on screen like tell you what's going on but another cool thing though was they did release novelizations or if you really wanted to like get Get. really into the plot you could Mm -hmm. but it was entirely optional and i was hoping to reread a couple of the the original because there's four original books Mm -hmm. um for the original like based on Doom and Doom 2, I was hoping to reread at least one or two of them before this episode. I didn't get a chance. Um, but when, one thing that's cool is the first Doom book, which I did read as a kid, uh, just the one that's based on Knee Deep and the Dead, it's actually dedicated to Camille Paglia. Really? Yeah. That's <laughs> the wild. Yeah, that's... I guess the author is really into her. I mean, that makes it even cooler. Like, obviously, I... I... The, the whole like surround and, and i think that also speaks to the kind of surrounding thing you would see with doom like with the creation of mods and the creation of wads like i like how it sparked the imagination of so many people who wanted to see what they could do with these tools like doom to me doom's sort of lasting impact doom one and two and obviously you know, other id games, like, especially Quake, but, like, Doom, one of Doom's lasting impacts to me is just, like, seeing what people can create inside this, like, little toolbox. Like, this very simplistic toolbox. Like, we're getting people still to this day creating things with the Doom engine, and that blows my mind. I mean, you have stuff like Brutal Doom, obviously, or um, there's, obviously, like, even id would put out uh officially licensed uh wads with final doom with the like plutonia experiment for example like 
I like how there was an emphasis like within players to just like take all this stuff and create their own unique experience that people could play too. Like Doom was a like became like a family tree of experiences that you could partake in. And I mean, even joke, I don't, we, you and I were talking about this and to any like <laughs> foreign bodies, I don't support, you know, Eric Klebold and Dylan, uh, Dale, whatever the Columbine guys, but they even made doom levels. Like, yeah, I found them too online. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to <laughs> click. I don't, I don't want to click those. Like, yeah, I, I, I didn't download them, but I'm I could a, if I wanted to. I mean, and that also, <laughs> that also adds to the mystique of doom is just like that being part of its legacy. But, you know, the point being is, like, Doom 1 and 2 feels like their reach spreads so far and wide, not just in purely what we got in the retail versions of the game. Like, there's a whole book series, there's, like, all this, like, stuff you can figure out in the manuals, there's, like, back in the day you had all the online forums, you had the the WAD websites, all, all like, the mod creation tools, like that is still like one of the lasting impacts of doom is like in a way it feels like it possessed some people, but not the way people thought it was possessing people. It was just like, people wanted to make their own doom. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Like, I, the only other equally comparable thing is like the quake engine. And then obviously the source engine, like half-life and quake are like the only comparable things where it's like, these games you know they have their sort of self-contained experiences with inside the game but like part of the fun of being a fan of this franchise in these early games is like what else can i find what else can i do what can i make and all that stuff and i think that's like the it's a, such a charm to like games like even when i was learning about games when i was like an early teen it was like hearing like oh yeah like you can you can like modify your games to do whatever you want. Like I've seen some stupid doom mods, like turning into like the using Simpsons characters in yeah. doom. Like, I mean, you can look up like almost any topic and there's been a doom mod made of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, but that's like the, the again adds to the cool factor of doom is like, you obviously have like what the developer, you know, what, you know, Romero and Carmack, all wanted their experiences to be with the base game but you know because they're again they're cool tech guys from the 90s they're just like hey you can do whatever you want with our games like we'll even we'll, we'll even sell your versions if they're like good enough like i i me as like just like a game nerd i just like love that like it's this like this like looping cycle of like here's a game do whatever you want with it and we'll even recognize it and it just feeds back on itself i i, I miss those days before engines became like walled off gardens well also i should say for anyone listening to this who's interested in dipping their toes in classic doom and like want to check out like mods and stuff it's way easier to get into than you probably think it is all you have to do is download ZDoom, which is free. It's a Doom launcher. So you have to buy the base games. Then it'll automatically detect them on your computer. Then if you want to download these WADs, they're called WADs, W-A-Ds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, they're all freely available. And then there's websites with 
where they're hosted on. All mm-hmm. you do is you download them and then drag it directly into ZDoom. You just drag yeah. it onto your desktop. And then like usually they'll like be like designed based around a certain games. It'd be like regular Doom or Doom 2. So you just select which one it was designed around and it automatically launches. It's like mm-hmm. shockingly easy. And some of these like modern ones are fucking incredible. Like I just recently played Ancient Aliens, mm-hmm. which came out, I think like 2016. And it blew my mind mm-hmm. how cool it is. And it's it's considered a megawatt, which is like it means it's like a full game. And mm-hmm. it runs on the Doom engine. It looks incredible. It, it was mm-hmm. so well made as all original music. And it's like basically like new age themed with like aliens. It takes place in the southwest, but there's like all this like uh it's got like a point like new age pan flute soundtrack, and it's all like and you're you're apparently you're on acid the whole time. You don't find out until later in the game. And it's like it's so cool. Like all these like it's based on ancient alien like conspiracy theories and shit. And yeah, like, yeah. dude, like once you get into this stuff, like you could just play Doom mods forever. <laughs> like like there, there are people like that out there, and they just play Doom shit. And it's all free. You don't even yeah. have to pay for it. You pay for the base game. The base games are cheap as fuck now. They're like five dollars. Yeah, if you, that. You just have to have the main version on your computer. ZDoom will automatically like you don't have to like it's not complicated. You don't have to be like technically savvy at all to get into this stuff. Yeah. You'd be shocked at how good some of these look too. Yeah, I, I mean I've seen I like before we started, I like was watching like compilations of like different wads and I was like the 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 eng- the, the skill that some people have is like mind blowing and it if it if fits right in with the spirit of doom for me like doom is about like i mean doom at its core is a bunch of brilliant minds creating something that rocked the world and then they're just like the story of doom even to today is like a new generation of equally brilliant people taking this foundation and creating something completely brand new with it and I can't help but like be amazed at like what people can do. Like I've I've known about Brutal Doom as an example because Brutal Doom is I think one of if not the most popular wad. Yeah, and I've known about Brutal Doom for a few years, and I'm like that is crazy that people can do that, and it feels like a brand new game. Like it feels like it feels like a a fan made Doom three in a sense, or like. You know, if if technology did not progress past like you know, single core processors of the '90s or whatever, and it's just like, yep, this is just how games kept playing for the rest of time. Like, except they just have better animations, more unique music, blah blah blah. Like, it's that is like the 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 real magic of Doom to me. Like Doom One and Two just feel like I just like magical little you know games that just unlock the universe to you and... and the thing is too is like a lot of these mods now aren't even first person shooters they're just independent games run on the doom engine yeah so, exactly like i mean there's fucking there's a sonic game which apparently is oh yeah really yeah cool. yeah i've heard of that the 3d sonic game there's a uh sonic kart racing game it's an online racing game made in the doom engine it's free to play and like it's insane there's there's a first person castlevania game which looks really sick actually uh-huh. uh, there's uh you know 
the next one I really want to play is Bloom. It's a blood and doom mashup. And like, dude, like none of these games, like you don't have to have like a very powerful computer to run them. No. They all yeah. look really cool. Yeah, it, that that's just what makes Doom so cool. Like it, particular you know, specifically these early entries is like they are like it, it's just like the the gates have opened and it's now more than just like this scary you know gateway into like you know every cool thing you know music wise visual wise and now it's just like oh yeah like you can do whatever you want now with this it it feels so true to like what gaming should be in a way like doom doom is like to me at its core it's like the most video game of video games in like a beautiful way and i don't and I feel like that energy permeates throughout the entire series, even with the newer ones. Like the newer ones still hold this spirit true, tried and true, but you can't match just like these OG games and what they spawned and what they created. And I, I, I highly respect what was done here and what you know what I've played and what I've seen of Doom. And I think. It's sad that a lot of people will not pick up Doom, namely Zoomers, who will not pick up these older games because they look bad. You know, look bad. You know, that that's just like, okay, you're stupid. Like, just play play the game. Like you'll 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 have a greater appreciation for the industry, but also just like the the magic of games if you play Doom. Doom one and two. So, yeah. I mean, if you have anything else to say about these, I feel like we can move on to our next game. Well, it's just like, I want to say like the spirit of the original Doom has disappeared from the gaming industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we were saying, like you can't like replicate that whole 90s, you know, tech libertarian nerd thing, but it does survive through like the Doom modding community. And it's like just, it's, where male autism <laughs> like excels can excel yeah. freely with no limitations Doom. and like it's to me it's cooler than like the whole indie game scene now case i'm sure lots of good indie games come out now but it, i also like at least for me so as someone who doesn't really play modern games um i have this like, connotation in my mind of like Indie gaming being very bugmanish and like there, gender and gender gobliny. There's definitely a sector of that. There, well, it, it seems like a, it seems like a huge sector of it, at least to me. I think I think a good chunk of it is there are occasionally indie games that do become like the darlings of the time that are not that. Like I think they like I think the two ones that I can think of at the moment is like hotline Miami. And uh, this one came out, I think during in 2020, it was called cruelty squad. Oh yeah. I've heard of that. It's, it's a very like, million dollar extreme. Inspired. Yeah. yeah. But, and that became a moderate, pretty big indie hit of, the, of 2020. And so indie games still have that, but it's, uh, you know, doom doom has like a barrier of entry. I feel like unlike indie games where, there is that sort of bug man goo sitting at the core of it that will just 
it, it will probably never be removed, but like Doom has the like beautiful gates preventing that from coming in. And I yeah, think it, still seems, it feels pure still. Yeah, like it, it feels like a bunch of like autistic male energy is just like driving this whole thing and it will never stop. Like, I don't think Doom mods will ever stop. Like, it's impossible. Like, they're gonna, someone's gonna figure out a new insane way to use this engine to do something insane. Like, yeah, Doom is just like, it is what gaming is. Doom 1 and 2 is what gaming is. And it's, it's like, this is what we could have done and what we could have kept, but we, we lost it for, you know, and so, yeah, it's thinking about Doom 1 and 2 just makes me happy. <laughs> it really does. Mm -hmm. I love, I just love thinking about it. I love like imagining the music playing in my head. I can think of just like all the mazes and all the key cards and all the like secret areas. Like it's all very just like comforting to me, like in a weird way, like, it's you know obviously there's that you know that atmosphere of like scary and evil energy but like i don't know it's just very comforting to go back to something like this and just having pure fun and it, it just it's so fun to like master the og doom games too because like once you like do a full playthrough of like both the first and second game like then you can go back and play them differently um so like once you like become like a true doom player you realize that the whole game is really based around using the shotgun yeah and exactly. that, yeah and then doom 2 when you get the super shotgun it revolves around just using the super shotgun yeah like that's your main that's the ideal way to play but like as a new player you might not realize that you'll want to put it and use like the plasma rifle or the bfg or the rocket launcher as much as possible but no eventually like once you get like good at it you realize like you can pretty much play the whole game just using the shotgun and like tactically that's like the funnest way to play it and you just <laughs> you save the most powerful weapons just when you have to like break the larger like boss like enemies or when you're like fucking surrounded like in a yeah, giant like citadel <laughs> by like arachnoids or whatever then yep. yes then you use the plasma but other than that you need to you you need to cruise around get as close as possible to your enemies and just blasting them with the shotgun you know, yeah, it, like, get in their face and blow off their face. Like, yeah. you know, it's 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 the most like primal gamer thing that Doom operates on, and I I love it to bits. Like nothing and nothing else compares to that. Like, and I don't know. Like, just Doom is so good. <laughs> it's so much fun. I want to play it right now again. I'm gonna. I might play this after we're done. <laughs> and like, I heard uh, Stane Haynes on your newest app uh, about Street Fighter 3 Third Strike and you guys were talking about Doom briefly and he was talking about how once he got like good at the game he realized you can just like run around starting shit with enemies and getting them to fight each other. Yeah, that's like, another thing too. It's like... like Yeah, like you can do that. Like it's, it's just like really fun. It's like dude, like really like back in the 90s man, there were people who like bought like Doom 2 and that's like all they played for like a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, oh, seriously. Yeah, and it, it became the template to which everything else measured up to. Like nothing else, everything else had to be measured to doom on every level. And really, the only thing that could surpass it was Quake. Really, Quake, Quake was the first like real step up. I feel like from Doom. Like, 
But like Doom, like if you're like a '90s like, angsty teenager who was yeah. just like in a, like a pissed off mood, or whatever, like nothing better than just like blowing off some steam for like a couple hours, just running around shooting shit with a shotgun. You know, <laughs> it's and just fun. That was, <laughs> I, I think that's like what really scared um, like politicians and stuff about the game. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was like a violent outlet for teen boys. Which like yeah. obviously is like why it appealed to the like Columbine kids, but they those are like one of like millions of kids who were playing the game too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't. Yeah, it's just like they had a an easy way to just like relax for a few hours. And... Yeah, that later energy came out with um, Grand Theft Auto Three. Oh you could yeah, run around slaughtering people for fun. But before that, it was Doom. Yeah, you know Doom. <laughs> Doom is the you know Doom was the outlet for all of us, and when Doom, when Doom, I mean, every generation of gamer has like that kind of thing. Like when I was a teenager, definitely Call of Duty became that. Um, even in GTA, still, but GTA has kind of changed to something different in my eyes. But you know, if the first person shooter definitely speaks to like the angsty, like teenager of the generation, but I think it, it reflects well enough that like what Zoomers have is Fortnite. It's like, I think, you know, if you don't have your, your Doom or your GTA or even your Call of Duty, it's like, you know, you, you've taken away something from us as, you know, we, we lost something very dear to us. Yep. Um, but I think to go into our next game, I think we've covered enough about Doom 1 and 2, so I think it's a good time to get into our next game, which is Doom 64. Sorry, I, j- no. I just drink so many liquids while I'm recording. <laughs> no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. It actually helps me because there's a good break now uh, to like edit it a little bit. Clean makes editing just a little bit faster now. Uh, but yeah, Doom sixty four uh came out April fourth, nineteen ninety seven, and I wanted to talk about this one just because even though it's not made by Doom, this was made by Midway, and this was in the period in which it was making Quake and Doom kind of took a, uh, a backseat to their primary focus. But Doom 64, I don't know about you, Scott, but I think Doom 64 might be like my favorite of the four we're talking about. Like it feel it, it feels like it takes a lot of the sort of core elements of the first two that were kind of hinted at, but they didn't have the technology per se. And they just bring it to the forefront. And it also feels like a great sort of P- 
piece that leads into Doom 3. Like, I feel like if you play Doom 64, you understand Doom 3 even better. And, like, Doom 64 plays like the first two Doom games, but it adds a layer of just really ominous and just foreboding and lonely energy that was really polarizing to a lot of people because I think a lot of people didn't expect Doom a Doom 6 well for one they didn't expect a Doom game you know not being by id and then for a Doom game to not have like metal music being played and it's all about the sort of gothic architecture and level design and full of dramatic lighting and just very di- a slight different take on the doom franchise and in my recent playthrough of it i loved it to bits like like this was so this was like just amazing to me so i don't know uh what do you think about doom 64 scott well so this was the first time i played it actually it was just a few months ago because uh i never owned a nintendo 64 and i didn't know anyone who owned this game back in the day either Mm-hmm. Also, the type of kids who own 64s generally won't claim Doom. But, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I just played for the first time because they re released it finally in like 2020, I think. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I bought it on God. And uh, I was, yeah, I agree. I was blown away with how fun it is. And it's fucking beautiful, for one thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's- like it's it's perfect. The graphics are perfect. It has this like perfect like balance of like old school Doom aesthetics mixed with like what like three D realms was doing at the time. Yes, it's, yes, yes. Duke like, uh, Nukem and Rise of the Triad, like in terms of like color schemes. Colors. Like, uh, yeah, color schemes, but also like the environment is like partially alive. Like Doom sixty four has like the parts of the environment, like the even though the earlier Dooms had it, but, like, you know, levels kind of changing as you, like, play it. Like, I forget the level name, but there's a one where it's, like, the the roof opens up uh, sort of thing. Or in what, like, I think it's the first or the second level where it's, like, pillars are, like, slamming to open up the next part of the level. Like, that felt very inspired by Duke Nukem 3D, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they, they It was clear that even Midway was cognizant of like what other games were doing and we're like okay how can we apply that to doom's rules and logic so it it's kind of crazy yeah and like you said this was recently remastered by a wonderful studio named night dive uh they also re-released quake uh actually two years ago and that port is fantastic too like i think it's great to see that this game that was kind of sort of maligned by critics, like they were not, I think it was just such a shift in the change of how doom plays and looks that I don't think they were ready for it, but I feel like this feels like what they had teased at with doom two, like doom two didn't go full in person, almost all. I mean, doom two has its like sort of off putting and evil moments, but I feel like doom 64 takes it to the next level where it's really all about lighting and these like rooms that are just like coated in blue and red and full of just dark gothic imagery all over it or 
I think of like the bodies hanging from ceilings uh, on spikes. Like it really feels like a natural, I, it feels like it is building off of doom two's foundations. And they, you know, the fact that they had, you know, a console that could do 3d properly. I feel like they finally were able to kind of be creatively open to what they could do with the doom engine I feel like also a lot of people just, it was still the early point where console FPSs were still trying to get off their feet a little bit. So I think trying to play it on an N64 controller was kind of awkward still. So I think that's probably part to blame why not a lot of people jived with it at launch. But man, like I, I think about just how ambient this game is. Like there's like almost no music and if there is music it's just like one eerie note playing like i believe that one of the later levels samples a baby crying like oh yeah like scary yeah it feels very like max Payne did this uh max Payne 3 did something very similar where it, it like sampled like really creepy and disturbing things and it just adds to this experience like again you know it's not like a again it doesn't operate where it gives you a story per se there is a story and they actually kind of worked it in after the fact into the newer dooms the 20 the reboot and doom eternal they like tied the story in with 64 into that which i think was kind of cool um namely because the doom reboots are being directed by a guy whose first doom exposure was 64 um so it's clear that he was very inspired by it and i i could see why because you know i've played the newer dooms and i can see 64's uh foundation inside the newer dooms so i think you know it's i'm trying to think of the word it's doom 64 in my eyes is really really what doom 3 was meant to be but they were just like and eh, we can't put it on a console that's not like what we know as doom like doom's a pc thing and you know quake had taken over but man what else? like doom 64 is just like really cool i mean i have it on my tv playing it's like like going through these hell levels and it's just like so like aggressively evil even more so than two so it's just like oh it's so I again I want to play it again. It's so much fun. It it oh man, I love 64 so much. Well, like I can see why it was jarring for people when it first came out, because it is. Like if you go like if you were to like play like Doom or like Final Doom, which is the last like official Doom release before this came out, and then mm-hmm. go straight to Doom 64, it is jarring because it, it feel the feel of it is different like, from the from the get-go like immediately it has almost like a more of like an arcadey type feel in terms of like the controls and like the way the weapons work and whatnot yeah yeah. uh, you weirdly feel like you're going faster yeah Yeah. and uh it's really cool though like i really love about like the first part of the game is you like you said like the atmospheres are so well done you almost like feel like you're inside of a uh like an old sci-fi like paperback novel 
Oh yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the way like the space stations are laid out, like the way the colors work, because it's weird because it's like it doesn't really start to get that evil feeling until you go into hell. Then yeah. when you go to hell, it's like straight up evil. And that's when like all like the really scary atmospheric music comes in. Like it was just like the whole level is just like people moaning and pain and shit you hear like oh, yeah. in the background yeah 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 and like i'm always like surprised and i was like reading about it though that even like the developers like they thought nintendo would have asked them to scale it back a bit because nothing on the 64 was like this no not and, at all and but... they said, yeah nintendo didn't care they're like yeah whatever. you know which is like shocking really well, yeah well this is you know nintendo has its moments where they're like they show how cool they are like they you know they i'm trying to go through my nintendo knowledge like nintendo like with bayonetta like nintendo when they took over the publishing rights to bayonetta in 2014 you know bayonetta's whole getup is being sexy and revealing you know her body and nintendo was cool with it they're like actually you should go further with it and you know this is Nintendo will ra- will like randomly show its hand about like actually they're cool with like very mature uh images and subject matter and even you know, the 64 didn't have many mature games that were like hits per se like with the PlayStation and what we know of the PlayStation is very mature uh centered game system but like Nintendo even allowed its own like uh, like they let Rare do Conquer's Bad Fur Day, like a game full of swearing and you know drinking galore and you know characters with big tits. Like Nintendo will just like randomly be like, oh yeah, like do whatever you want. Like you know maybe they thought like no one would play it on their system. Like they thought like oh yeah, who's gonna buy Doom sixty four? It's not a, it's not Doom three, so who cares? Like you can do whatever you want feel like that's part to play maybe for it um but yeah like the those later levels are so evil feeling like especially when those levels have like just the fire burning in the background you just see those giant things of fire yeah i'm staring at it right now on the screen yeah (laughs) yeah that's true yeah it's like that is so i i can't imagine like imagining like the average n64 player buying that and like seeing that for the first time because you know nintendo has that family-friendly image and i'm just like imagining a parent seeing their kid playing that just i can't imagine the sort of like panic that must might have caused in certain households because yeah i could see how people would like especially see it as like something really insidious just because the 64 had such a cartoonish image at the Mm -hmm. time there's like considered the more family friendly console. Well, yeah, like I, I the, could see like some mom buying this for their kid because they didn't think anything of it. You know, well, yeah, I mean the main FPS of the '64 was GoldenEye, and GoldenEye has the benefit of having like a a prestige franchise name of James Bond with it. So, like even then, even with that, like even though you got like AKs and you know pistols and you're killing people, there must've been like for parents like, Oh yeah. Like it's just James Bond. Like they're just playing, you know, they with doom 64 though. It's just like, I can't imagine 
playing that as you know you're so used to like something like as Mario 64 or Mario Kart or Mario Party or Wave Racer or Pilot Wings and you just go to that cuz this you know this came out in the first year of the N64's existence and this just pops up out of the blue and like you're full blown in hell and with these you know the soundtrack which is very feels adjacent to like Trent Reznor's Quake soundtrack and man I, I it's so wild to think that this game existed on the N64 of all places and there's so and it's and they don't and they don't hamper any of the classic doom elements either like the gameplay is still the same and in fact they do even more of the key card exploration and puzzle solve i mean puzzle solving in the sense of trying to figure out where you're going and you still got all the classic gameplay things and they they make it so like even elements of what we know of doom gameplay wise feel even like meteor like uh like i think like the the like rocket launch like the super shotgun has like kickback now i believe when you fire it like it kicks you back and then i think of the unmaker uh weapon which is tied in with like the ridiculous like secret finding in doom 64 like i didn't do that in my recent replay i couldn't get the unmaker fully powered up yeah i couldn't either that that that's the thing about Doom is like it encourages like finding the secret levels, but Doom sixty four kind of goes off the walls with that. It's like you have to find the secret in the soup in the secret level, and you have you know you have to for this like special weapon that when it's fully charged up basically makes a mockery of the final boss. Like I love that they just they took an element of Doom and just took it up to the next level. Maybe for maybe for not the best and best reasons, but I love that that is still in there with the Unmaker. Like, and I'm glad that the Unmaker even made a return in a Doom Eternal. Like, I like how, again, tying it in with that one, the director of the new entries loving 64. Like, Doom 64 clearly inspired a whole generation of developers, and that guy being one of them, I forget his name. I think his name's Hugo something, but. Yeah, like so much of Doom 64 just feels like a proper sequel. Like it's not an expansion pack. It's not a level. It's not even like someone just kind of messing around with the Doom IP. You know, it's just this is a legit almost sequel to the first two games in every way. And I'm glad that it exists on modern platforms. You know, I'm glad that people can play it now uh, because it's genuinely probably my favorite of the series or of these classic games it's probably my favorite classic doom game at this point did you play the uh bonus episode they came out with for their re-release yes i did and that's the way they tie it into the newer dooms like it's not it's okay i don't think it really adds so much in terms of gameplay but i'm i'm glad that they Again, it feels very true to the Doom energy that we were saying with Doom 1 and 2. It's like this, at the time, thir- uh, 13-year-old game gets a re-release and gets new content. Like, No, it was a 23-year-old game. 
oh yeah oh my god i got that wrong <laughs> um but yeah like the which makes the point even stronger it's like this 23 year old game gets re-released for modern systems and they're like here's more content like uh, that's so true to doom it's just like oh yeah here's a re-release and we added an extra level to it uh like even the xbox 360 port of doom one got a bonus level oh that's doom 2 oh that, yeah that's right I'm um afraid. what the hell was it called i played sewers it. uh it's like an extra like nine levels it was fun oh yeah um, yeah it, i think uh, it was worth playing. It comes with the uh, Doom Three BFG edition. If yeah, you that's, buy it now. that's the only way to get it now, I believe. It is, yeah. Which again, all these art digital version games getting lost in time because they won't keep them up anymore, and there's no proper way of like archiving them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> I love that like a re-release of an N64 game got more got more content just because but like you said they're they're fun levels they're fun to play but it's like it's by no means like necessary i mean it's uh yeah they they, they do do almost in a way i feel like fan made because like there's no like linear progression to them really to kind of just feel like random levels that were made they engine you know yeah they're extra difficult they're harder than the main game that's for sure yeah i mean it, it makes sense i i feel like night dive with their own proprietary engine they're just like oh you know we have some extra time why don't we try to make our own doom level and it's fine like i can appreciate that they went through the effort of doing that to connect it with the broader doom modern doom storyline but yeah, you're right. It definitely feels like a fan game. Like it doesn't have that polish and well thought out areas compared to, and especially to the main base 64 experience. So, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think like another thing. I've, there's, I feel like Doom 64 is like a thing you just have to play to get it because it's more or less the same thing. It's more Doom, which is a good thing. Can't really do Doom wrong, but. I feel like it's something you have to play because you have to experience that unique take on doom where it's just, there's no music, you know, it's very atmospheric with very harsh, very moody lighting and very dark and evil imagery. And you have to figure out by going through all the maze like levels and try to figure out what goes where, what do I need to go? What have I not gotten? I think it's a game where you have to like play it to get it. And trying to like explain it is sometimes hard because it's like it's just doom, and doom is just like oh yeah, it's just shooting guys at at its core. But like that's the fun of it. Like mm-hmm. it's not. It's part like it's a game where you have to play it to truly get it. I can only do we can only do our so much to like really heap praises upon it. I think it's just like to the listeners like. like give doom 64 a shot i know it's not considered mainline in the grand scheme of things but i think you'll be surprised by it i don't know if you have anything else to say about it scott and we can go into the final game of tonight uh well there's also i want to try it out eventually is brutal doom 64 i've not seen that one i actually have not seen that yeah and uh it came out i assume it came out before this game was re-released because doom 64 actually 
before it was officially re-released was basically recreated by modders. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, which I'd be curious to see what that's like, but I, I think it's basically like they tried to almost exactly replicate the game, but obviously it wouldn't look exactly the same because it's running on a different engine entirely. But mm -hmm. yeah, then there's a Brutal Doom 64, which is like, if you look at what those Brutal Doom games are like, they're like, they're basically a whole different game than Doom. They yeah. just like follow the same like, you know, level designs or whatnot. But other than that, they're just like really intense and like, mm -hmm. you know, high octane and so there's that one as well I, I do want to try that maybe sometime later this year but yeah i mean it's a great experience and it's uh i had so much fun playing man i was like bummed when it was over yeah i was sad too and it's just like i think i'm gonna replay it like this week i'm like i've been like nostalgic for 64 like uh when when this episode got closer and closer to doing their recording i was like I'm really feeling an itch to just go back through all over again because it's just so much fun. Like another, like a one little detail I love is just like even the opening. I love how the opening just shows like all the demons just fighting each other mm -hmm. on like a stage that just reveals it to say doom. Like it's just like a such, such a little detail that I love that is uh, shown off in this game. Like Mid Midway did a really good job with this. I think, you know, I'm glad that people are now warming up to why this one's a really good entry in the series. Yeah. So I think with that, I think we go into our final game of tonight, which is Doom 3.
Doom 3 was the, I guess you could say the final entry of like the classic Doom, sort of say. It's not like older Dooms, but it's the last Doom game John Carmack was a part of. And Doom 3 came out originally August 3rd, 2004. And this, for the longest time, was viewed as the black sheep of the franchise. Uh, it was a deviation into more horror, survival horror type gameplay than the previous entries, which were much more about movement and action and bobbing and weaving through enemies. And Doom 3 is more about like survival horror and tight corridors and, you know, just plain horror imagery in general. It, you know, they finally had come back to Doom after years of Quake and, uh, you know, this was a big showcase of the new iteration of the id engine, you know, mainly being the real time lighting that was present in the game. Like this was a big step away for the franchise and people were kind of hesitant a little bit about it. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. I think it's worth playing and I, I really enjoy it. So what do you think of Doom 3, Scott? I love it. I've always loved it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's funny because uh, like hardcore Doom fans, when it first came out, it was very controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when it came out, though, because most of my like, friends who had like Xboxes, because it really, I think, like, blew up with like a wider audience when it got its Xbox release in mm-hmm. 2005. Um, yeah. All my friends who had the Xboxes fucking loved Doom 3 because none of them ever really grew up playing the Doom games. They weren't like... And it was it was a good port. It was that. a good it was a good console port, which was something you couldn't guarantee at the time uh, when you were translating PC games to consoles, especially something so graphically intense as something as Doom 3. Like Half Life 2 was ported to the Xbox and it's pretty okay, but like you can tell that they cut corners hard on it to make it work on a console. But like Doom 3 is a pretty competent console port, and I can see why it gained traction with Xbox players. Like Doom 3 feels right at home with that system. And uh, I tr- I played a little bit of it uh, before we did this, and it definitely holds up. Like, it's not a bad controlling port. It's, you know, it's only got a few areas of slowdown from what I got to. So, heck, if you have an Xbox, I would recommend it to play it. If I mean, granted, on the PC, it's, like, cheap, too. So, either way, I don't think you're going to, like, miss out on anything. But, yeah, Doom 3 is so... It's such a radical departure from the series, because... You can tell that they were influenced by Half-Life in this one. Like the fact that the game has a very Half-Life opening where you're just kind of absorbing in all the inf- the world around you, this you know, this Mars colony, all these different scientists, and these in fact there's cutscenes present. The fact that the camera literally zooms out of uh you know the the marine that you play as, it zooms out and zooms into his head like to transition to gameplay. It feels like they had taken influence from a lot of games that had came out after doom two. Like, I also feel like influences from Metroid prime are in this game too. Like it's interesting to see how to imagine 
the thought process when doom three was being made like, but I love, again, it's very much in the kin of 64 where that atmosphere and that just being in that location is so good. I love how dark it is. I like how just utterly like just full of despair. This colony has this research area. Like it's such a, really well thought out location in a game like it just it there's so much where there's little parts of the game like how the pda system gets you like little backstories about what's going on and happening and i love how like the flashlight is something you have to equip you can't dual wield a flashlight in a in a gun which i know a lot of people complained about back in the day and the bfg version remedies that but I feel like that actually takes away something from the game, in my opinion. Like being in that helpless situation where it's like, I need a flashlight to see some things in this game. Otherwise, I don't know where they are. Like it's such a very satisfying loop of just trying to make it alive. It it feels of the time survival horror. And I I love it. Like I, I don't know why people wanted to cast this one out for so long it's it's really well done it's really well realized location and uh, well apparently though one problem with it is that people didn't understand the game the way the developers wanted you to play it when it first came out mm-hmm. they wanted, their idea was that for doom 3 instead of the shotgun being your primary weapon which which is true the shotgun kind of sucks it's awful uh, they, they rectified that for the Resident Evil uh, Resurrection of Evil expansion, which is much better actually than the original game. At least gameplay wise, it came out yeah. like two years later. But that's really fun. Um, but the initial idea was instead of the shotgun, you'd use the pistol as your yes. primary weapon. And so you'd use, and they gave you like ample ammo for the pistol. It's kind of designed where you'd like almost never run out of ammo for the pistol. Yes, and so you're going to use the uh, the uh, gunshots as illumination in yeah. the dark corners, since you can't weren't able at least initially till they changed it for BFG. But yeah, like you said, you could only use the flashlight uh, in between using the weapons. You couldn't use them simultaneously. So the idea was you'd be like going through these all these like they really claustrophobic like corridors on this uh, this base, and you'd just be like. You just see like a shadow bursting out of you, and then you'd only would they actually see what the creature looks like once you open fire on it. Mm-hmm. And the pistol actually is quite powerful when you use it at close range. Most mm-hmm. people didn't catch that though, because the previous Doom games weren't like that. The pistol was just like before that and other Dooms were it was just like a last pitch thing. Like you never fucking used the pistol unless you absolutely had to. We had no other. Yeah. It, it flips the conventions of Doom's established rules and I, you know, what we understand is it, but like, I love this take on Doom because it, it to me at least, it feels like it had been building off of what the series had been building to a little bit. It might be, it is a, it's a it is a very different take on Doom, but I still feel like it feel, it, it, it feels like a different spin about what 64 was experimenting with the time. It's not as like overtly like have satanic imagery 
per se, like where in 64, you can like see it full face and Doom 1 and 2, you can see it too with the upside down crosses and all that stuff. I think Doom 3 wanted to add a level of gameplay evilness to it in a way that they couldn't do it technologically. Because as you said, like the the handgun provides a, a bit of seeing what is in front of you. And that was a big thing that they harped on about going into this game was the real-time lighting. And I think that is... It feels like they finally were able to add a, a level of just of that scariness that Doom had always had in its core to the gameplay. Like, I think for them at the time when they were making the earlier Dooms, they were under the impression of just like, well, let's have really fun gameplay with some unsettling imagery to sort of make it more satisfying. But like, how can we make the gameplay unsettling? while keeping the sort of oppressive and violent imagery intact in the in 2004 times and i think they accomplished it very well like you know you play through the game and especially like when you get to the granted it's not much of the game but like with the hell levels and it's just like the hell levels just feel so dark and like you really do feel like you are helpless in that situation even though you have a full repertoire of doom weapons at your disposal you still feel like there's an element of just like uncertainty about what is literally in front of you and you know uh shrouding doom enemies doom demons in darkness only adds to the experience i feel like when you're in these like cramped like space hallways and all that stuff i feel like it really just adds another unique layer to the doom pie so to say um and the parts when you go to hell are like really exciting too because like you said they're more sparingly like i think you only get portaled to hell twice in the game yeah um and uh it's cool because it's a doom 3 is a long game for a first person shooter it's like 10 hours roughly i think like so like before you even make it into hell the first time like there's a lot of you spend a lot of time just on the base and uh, so before you first get portaled in there actually it's probably the hardest part of the game is you have to fight those two uh there's what i can't remember what they're called those two big demons though and that like that like laboratory space and it's uh. really, they're really fucking hard because you have to mm-hmm. them with rockets being like in an enclosed area yes. so really careful not to accidentally kill yourself and mm-hmm. uh but then once you finally portal in there you're like oh like jacked up like oh hell yeah i'm in hell now uh, oh yeah and you get these cool. like open battlefields finally yeah and then like it's just really cool the way it's like you have to like walk up that like long like bridge into like that giant like hell temple you know mm-hmm. where it's like made out of bones and shit and all the deeds it's very detailed it's really really cool and then like it really does feel like you earned your way into hell by the time mm-hmm. you get there and uh yeah, and like all the, it's very, very detailed. Though once you like, you're like walking through all the hell, you know, the areas inside the, inside of hell. It's very, very cool. And yeah. it does, and it does feel very foreboding and evil, and like you know, like you really are. It's very immersive. It's a very immersive game as a whole. Yeah, like even down to just how like you, even down to the gameplay. Not even just like how the flashlight we were saying, like. 
even getting hit has that weapon knockback, which in the moment is annoying, but that still feels like you're adding to the level of immersion or like when you're firing the, the, the chain gun, like it shakes the screen a little bit. Like it really does feel like, even though you're supposed to be like this competent Marine fighting these demonic forces, it still feels like you in a sense are like a little bit powerless. Like you are really facing the most evil of forces in the universe and some of the enemy designs are like really disturbing and creepy, even for 2004 standards. Like I think about when Sergeant Kelly turns into his de- like when he goes through the demon transformation and he just becomes like half tank. Like mm-hmm. he has a tank lower body and his like face reminds me of I think the master in Fallout One, where it's like the his like skin is like melting, kinda. It's that point where great game graphics technology had gotten pretty well detailed, but there was still just enough where you could just like fill in the like not detailed parts and you can just like imagine how like just disgusting everything looks. It's it's that sweet spot like that the PS, you know, that that period of games from 2000 to 2006 prior to the HG generation where there was enough detail to parse about where you are, but not enough detail to get like modern graphics. Like you, you get your, your brain can still fill in all the gross things that just add to that experience. It feels like it's like in a weird way, it feels like an alien. Like it would, if there was no doom stuff, it could like, and there's no hell stuff. It would be a great aliens game too in that base setting. Like, I could see, like, an alien game being built in the sort of similar, kind of similar visuals and gameplay. I could see it happening. Well, that was a common thing that people pointed out when the first game first came out. It was very alien feeling. Just the claustrophobia Mm -hmm. uh, and the dark lighting. It does feel like the first alien movie. Um, And, like, also, like you said, like, way the way it's set up and what sort of feels like half-life they i really do like how the first part of the game is uh is like you're you do get the chance to walk around the base before shit hits a fan yes and like, and like talk to people and which makes it feel more immersive but also like you said how um you feel like you're like a regular soldier like in over his head because mm-hmm. the way it's set up is you're supposed to just be a security guy for this base mm-hmm. on mars and then uh all of a sudden you get like a call if something weird happens and then you like basically show up right after this like portal to hell just opened up and you see the aftermath and then throughout the game you it almost uh starts it starts to almost feel very um resident evil inspired a little uh, bit yeah you know, like the way you're like with your PDA system, how you're kind of unraveling this mystery and piecing together exactly what the hell has been going on and what led to this, you mm-hmm. know, and like the way the story does unfold, and you know, it is a really cool story how they found like the the ancient temple on Mars, you know, mm-hmm. it was like a lost civilization, mm-hmm. and how they had accidentally opened a portal to hell, and then you know, it's very cool and how everything's happening again, and, you know, mm-hmm. once you get to the temple. Too, it's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. That 
the cyber demon fight the final boss like i love that location like just it feel it feels very like temple of doom-esque with all the very just evil like ancient civilization type stuff all present and all just like the satanic like pentagrams just painted everywhere like it's such a cool location to, to see like hell realized in this like fidelity finally in the franchise is like a very kind of satisfying moment in a way uh did you get to play resurrection of evil i got to play like half of it i know i watched the rest of it just you know to see what happens and there's some pretty cool stuff in there i definitely well, I think i love how it starts in the temple yeah like it's, it's really cool yeah and like how you're just like another marine like who just discovers all that who also still feels in over his head uh-huh. uh, like it just like you said like in the story just kind of like this circle just keeps repeating in this universe of just opening the portals uh and it's clear that even modern day doom takes influence from this because they set the whole thing on mars in doom 2016 so like it's clear that even developer wise that like what they were doing in doom three left left a lasting legacy for the franchise. So yeah. I'd actually be kind of be curious because they even wrote two doom three novels. Mm-hmm. And they're still in print. I'd actually be curious to read them because they might be cool. Cause I think they're actually written by the same guy who wrote the original four books. Cause it really is a cool storyline. You know, mm-hmm. I, I do like it a lot. It's really yeah. scary. And uh, it's funny. I I was hoping to. I didn't get a chance to. I was hoping to finally watch the Doom movie. Yeah, I didn't get time for that. I've never seen it. And it came out around Doom 3. Do- and yeah, I, just... I know everyone fucking hated it. So I never bothered. Also, it had The Rock in it, which is just hard to take any movie with The Rock seriously. But um, yeah. I remember, like, I remember like, people were just like, what the fuck? Because like, everyone, even people who are like, lukewarm on Doom 3 and like, and conceded that the plot was very cool mm-hmm. and like they should have just made like a fucking doom 3 movie like straight up like horror you know and it probably would have been really sick oh yeah like yeah. it all the like visual and story elements and yeah like all the the all the stuff that builds out this location is just like really amazingly well done and again i you know obviously credit to the artists who did it, but like credit to John Carmack again for making this id tech engine and letting a new level of detail be finally presented to so many people. And yeah, like it's interesting how this game kind of put doom off. I mean, they tried to do a doom four. I don't know if you you've read much into this, about Doom 4 or the original idea of Doom 4. It was supposed to take place on Earth, right? Yeah, it was supposed to take place on Earth. And I know people were kind of against it. You know, it went through development hell and eventually it led to the reboot uh, game in 2016. But like seeing all the footage that was available of Doom 4 was actually very cool and interesting they were clearly trying to do like doom 2 again like the hell on earth concept but like now with you know at the time modern visuals but people kept calling it doom of duty because they said it looked like call of duty Mm -hmm. like 
eh, that's not being I think that's being a little like uh, dismissive to what they were trying to do. I don't Doom's never truly fully embraced modern game design like both after its con- conception and you know of the time like even the reboot series went against the grain and basically played like an older game like having a arsenal of weapons and it's all about bot you know strafing and circling and getting up in faces and having enemies that challenged you in different ways to counter your your arsenal set so i don't think doom 4 would have been like a call of duty clone i think people were just being overreact being too sensitive because doom 3 was so different and they couldn't understand what it was doing at the time uh so i haven't played the new doom games i, I mean i'm sure they're good i've Everyone says they are. Uh, but one thing I really, really hate, where I guess this ties in with like Zoomers being introduced to Doom for the first time because of those games, how it's now become this like gay pop culture thing. Mm-hmm. And like, because I've seen like there's like Doom Fortnite crossovers now and like cartoony plush Doom toys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can like buy a Target and shit. And it just really turns me off seeing that i know I, I had nothing to do with the game itself it's just the way it was reintroduced I I, I I i get it because it goes against what doom has stood for for the longest yeah. time and i understand that thing i think you would love the games for what they are like because they do play like the older games they and they are genuinely fun and exciting and a lot of passion was put behind them and they were doing something at the time and still, you know, modern day gaming, they're still doing something that most game devs don't do. Like they're very old school in their design. And I still think like doom and doom eternal are some of the best, if not the best FPSs that are available from AAA studios but I don't want to get too much into those right now. I, I mentioned them just because I think it's worth mentioning them. But I'll get to those at a later date when I finally get to them on the show. But I think yeah, Doom 3, I, I really applaud its willingness to try something different and learn from what was going on in other games. Like, what could they do to really enhance Doom, as it were? And really the only thing I feel like they the big thing they're trying to do is story. And like you said, the story is really interesting and cool. I love the atmosphere. I love the world. I love I love the demon designs. All of it. Like it's I really even when I first got around to it and even playing through it recently, it's like I don't I don't understand why people hated it at the time. I think people were just being too sensitive, too protective, mm-hmm. I guess. It still does feel Doom-like. I mean, if you mm-hmm. played Doom, like the original Doom games, like the most ideal ways ever, like like you're supposed to, instead of just like flailing around, firing shit. Like the games are, it's all about getting up close and blowing heads off, and Doom <laughs> very much is that. Like you know, especially because you're in tight quarters a lot, and like gameplay-wise, you can still very much. It kind of forces you to play Doom it in the proper Doom way. Yeah. Even 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 the shotgun, which you know you and I said sucks, 
it still is asking you to to use it you have to use it like a shotgun which is to get close which you know it, it, it just takes so long to reload so it's not as yeah useful. <laughs> not not viable in the gameplay sense but you know what can you do i i you have the pistol at least the pistol makes up for it in this sense which is so <laughs> strange to say for a doom game but then uh, in the expansion, though, when they do reintroduce the, the super the, uh, shotgun. Yeah, then, like, when you first get that, you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, finally we're back. <laughs> yes. like, we are so back. Like, it, yeah. like, it, it, then it goes smooth. Like, I played that whole... The super shotgun is, like, the best weapon in any game ever. Yeah, so, yeah, like, I get so hyped up when I first got that. So, yeah, I mean, we covered a lot of Doom today. Like, I feel like I've expelled all the doom out of my brain for today i don't know if you have any closing thoughts you want to say on the doom games uh we covered a lot today uh, you know i just want to go back and say you know if you're, <laughs> if you're like a young person who's like dismissive like boomer shooters or whatever like i think you really owe it to yourself to give the og games a try um I think you need to like maybe rewire your brain to quit giving a shit about <laughs> visuals and just get back to the fundamentals yeah. of being a yeah. gamer. Yeah, it's uh, it's if the game's not fun, then why does it matter? Sort of thing. Yeah, the gameplay is king. It has always been king. Uh, I mean, if, if it were up to me, like game graphics didn't didn't need to like progress beyond like two thousand five, but that's just me. So. Like I, I mean, I, I don't care about good graphics at all. I don't care about cinematic quality. It means nothing to me. So yeah, it's I. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you in a lot of sense. Visuals don't really hit me unless they're really interesting. Uh, but you know, I think I think to wrap this all together, I think Doom is the quintessential video game. Like these early Dooms are what it means to be a video game. It's all about interfacing with something. You're in, even though this, the the choices you have are simple, it's either shoot or get killed, it still feels true to what we can do with a video game, not just in what we get in a retail product, but also what games can be done in the minds of true un, un, unfiltered autism in the male brain doom, yep. doom it's kind of a magical franchise that has earned its place in history it's earned its place in culture as a as a broad strokes statement and i'm i'm forever grateful for doom's existence it's truly magical this whole franchise it's so so with that i want to thank you scott for coming along one one last time this season. It's yeah, been, thanks, Sam. It's been a, a treat, and I think this is where the recording stops. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>